Little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step out of the cold. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. You're here with Q and Tom. Gatto is currently being arrested somewhere um, again. I heard and, he's trying to overthrow the Bolivian government. Yeah, that's kind of like his bag, too. I'm pretty sure he had free airline miles to get down there, too. So we will be going through a number of current events, primarily week one of the NFL. Um, oh, wait, you, week one happened? Yeah, believe it or not. Well, no, I mean, no. you could have missed it. All you needed to do was watch like three minutes of the Giants game. I thought in about, yeah, I, thought, I thought football started this week. <laughs> oh, football started this week? Yeah, no, I don't recall any game happening on Sunday. So that was right? the fourth preseason game that happened. No, no, there was no game Sunday night. I don't know what you're talking about. There was a game Monday night, though, for sure. There was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hopefully we will uh, do better on this show than Aaron Rodgers' Achilles tendon did on Monday Oof. night. Um, they were. Tom, did you see the video of that where you can see it like rupture? It was a guitar string snap. Oh. That was, you know, it reminds me of, I don't know, like this is the Wayback Machine here, but in 2007, I think it was 2007, um, when Phil Hughes came up for the Yankees and he was pitching really well. Yes. And it was that game in Texas where he pulled his hamstring. Yes. And they went through the recording and you could see his hamstring tighten and oh, get no, no, underneath I like, like I don't like it. Yeah. And yeah, Phil Hughes was, was having like, a good year that year too. He was, yeah. He was a standout. And mm. I just remember they they took a zoom in to um uh, the Yankees trainer and he was talking to Joe Torre at the time and Joe Torre's like, what happened? And the manager's like, he definitely popped it. And you could read his lips say it. And I was like, shit. I, I, you know, what's interesting, I, I not to derail us in the beginning here, but uh, there's been a lot of David Bakhtiari, who is the left tackle of the Packers, um, you know, very close with Rogers, obviously he was the, he was very quick, quick to blame the turf. Now, for anybody who's not aware, the Giants and Jets met life. They actually swapped out the old turf, uh, which was artificial, and put in still an artificial turf, but it's supposed to be more top of the line. I don't know what goes into any of that shit. But, like, a lot of players have been kind of screaming that we need to play on grass, and the NFL is basically saying that, like, studies have shown that, like, there's no difference, but, like, the Giants are always amongst the top of the league in, like, torn ACLs every year and the Jets are I think somewhat up there too um so it's just interesting I'm just wondering like I, he's 39 I don't know if I'm blaming the turf for that it's a tough one um because I've definitely heard the complaints about the turf in general at 
going into the season in general has never been good at MetLife. But then again, I also, I hear that a lot for other places as well too. Like in Washington, the turf is really bad. There's, they, apparently that's supposed to be the worst field. Yeah, well, because Dan Snyder, his his philosophy was like, why spend the money on it? But um, <laughs> He's I think a demon. <laughs> I mean, there's only so much you can blame on the ground in that point, and I, I don't know. I, I tend to lean a little bit more towards the guy who's like 38 or 39 years old, just yeah. getting wrapped up in a weird situation and going to the ground awkward. Like, talk about taking the air completely out of a fucking team. And all the excitement around it. Yeah, I, I can't think of a like jokes aside about how the Giants season started. The oh, Jets God. had a by far worse way, and they won that game too. The the vibes in MetLife were pretty popping. Uh, oh, they were nuts. You're watching the first part of that game, and when he runs out on the field carrying the American flag, <laughs> just so fucking. I, but I, I honestly like I was talking to a Jets fan, a Jets buddy of my of mine, and like I kind of joked about that. I was like, wouldn't it be weird if like wouldn't it be just Jets if he just like tears his ACL on the first play? And he's like, don't even fucking joke about that. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, I'm just saying like w- like the Jets are kind of the Knicks, right? Yes. Like it is the franchise in New York that gets a lot of publicity, but like it, it feels like anything the Jets do. And the same thing with the Knicks. You can get the best players and it's, it's you're just going to fall on your face. And it's again, like as a Knicks fan, I I empathize with with Jets fans on this regard, but like I kind of felt like this is almost too good to be true for the Jets fans. So like I I feel like ha- something had to give. It's absolutely worst-case scenario for them too, right? Because yeah, it, it sets a bunch of things in motion that are really, really scary to think about because let's say we cycle through this year, nothing changes. They're the same team that they were last year. And now right. you have Aaron Rodgers coming off of an injury a year older. An Achilles. You, yeah. And an Achilles injury, which I was listening to ESPN radio today and Sean Merriman was saying like he was never the same after his Achilles injuries. I don't know if I want to compare those two because – where Merriman was playing, that's all about leverage and yeah. like exploding off the ball. I don't know how I would be less con- I would be more concerned if it was like a shoulder injury or an elbow injury versus a ankle injury. I'm going to slightly disagree only because the throwing, the ability to throw is all through your core and your legs, and it's the ability to plant and like you know put a lot of pressure on your on your ankle. If you don't trust it or if it's not the same and also he's like he's fairly mobile for a 39 year old dude like he can he can move around the pocket pretty well he's like brady in that he was never fast but like understands like movement you know through that small yeah. spaces um so if he doesn't trust it but like i think the biggest problem here for the jets is like now you're in a situation where like you really can't make a move next offseason for a quarterback because now you have to kind of see it through with Aaron Rodgers because if he does come back and if he is Aaron Rodgers, then that, I mean, that defense is so fucking good from the Jets. Like it is one of the best defenses I've seen in the last few years. 
um, with him, if he's even half of what Aaron Rodgers is, like they can win a Super Bowl pretty easily. But like now it's like if somebody became available or if there's a good quarterback in the spot that they're picking, like, you know, they, they may not be able to make that move. You might know this better than I, but I think if he's on the roster to start next year, it's $16 million for him to be paid. If he's not on the roster, the dead cap hit is like $66 million. So they're really stuck, and they can't cut him at this point because they're going to owe him all of that money. And it's going to be a bulk of – it's going to be if not all of the money they have to spend in free agency if they choose to, to let him go. They, they are financially committed to him for roughly the next three seasons. So yeah. so this season and two more after this. So, um, you know, I, I, the third one, the third year, it's kind of like you're just kind of walking away with like two million, but like a lot of dead cap on your books. Like this is the when you make a move like this, this is what happens. You know, it's like you went all in on Rodgers, which I understand them doing. But like 39-year-old quarterback ruptures his Achilles. It's like, fuck. I wanted to point something out, though. What do you think about the Jets calling Tom Brady? Stupid. Why? It's stupid because it's not going to solve your problem. Because Tom Brady last year was not good. He wasn't, but let's be real, though. The the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, their play calling, like they lost – their main play caller. It's a defensive coach calling, you know, Byron Leftwich, who I, I like, but like I never thought was like head coach guy. I, honestly, I think I, I think Hackett gets a lot of shit, but like, you know, he was he was good with Rogers. Like he he clearly understands relationship with quarterbacks and like highlighting their attributes, right? So like in that scenario with Brees Hall, who's a fucking monster. Brees Hall is just a monster coming back. 12 carries, 120. Yeah, he's yards. healthy. We got yeah, it. Yeah, he's fucking healthy. Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson, um, and then Lazard and Cobb and and every, all the other fucking guys they have there and those tight ends they got. I think Brady, like the only problem is the offensive line. And I said it from the beginning. You watch hard knocks and you're like, you see the problems. Like Rogers is like, this offensive line this is not doing enough. So yeah. Um, but like honestly. I would call Brady. Yeah, I mean, they've I've seen that like list of quarterbacks that they might be interested in like cycling around the internet. And I'm not I'm going to be honest with you, like none of those guys are ones that would really surprise me or none of those guys would really impress me. None of them are a clear-cut a clear-cut improvement over what Zach Wilson is cuz the list is like Kellen Mond and Danny Etling and a bunch of just like scrub guys that were on NFL rosters. Yeah, sure. But they're not actually like, you're not getting anything different than what you would with Zach Wilson. I, I would not put my faith in a Marcus Mariota. No. And more in the sense of like a Zach Wilson and hoping for me personally, I think they stay with Zach Wilson I think having he Aaron Rodgers in, yeah, he he did fine. I mean, they they limited all of, like his involvement in it. Yeah, and Dallas um, this week though, we'll see how he does against Dallas. Yeah, but I, I think that having Aaron Rodgers there, 
having an actual offensive coordinator there who can work him into the system a little bit more. I'm a little bullish on Zach Wilson. I think this is a year that he can start to figure it out just because he has people that are going to push him a little bit more. I mean, we'll see. He had two years. The first one, he was injured. The second one, they were kind of all over the place. They didn't really have a a clear-cut direction and how they wanted to go. I think just watching some of the NFL hard knock stuff, Roger seems to have a good relationship with him and hopefully he can provide some wisdom and at least give him an idea of how to get better. But I don't see them trading for like a Joe Kobe per set. Like I was going to mention him. I don't think they do it though, because like, I don't think Washington's going to do it because what they're going to get back is not worth it because you still have an unproven commodity in Sam Howell. If things kind of go off the rails in Washington, they're going to go to Brissett because they can still make the playoffs. Hmm. And what are you going to get? What are you going to get? Like a sixth round pick? Yeah, I can understand from the perspective of if Washington doesn't want to do it because, yeah, I can understand that. But like if, if they are interested in making that deal, I'm, I'm if I'm the Jets, I'm doing that. Even if it's just for even if it's just for the purposes of like having a backup to Zach Wilson that you know could step in and be right. like, I mean, Jacoby Brissett was a pretty good starter last year for the Browns. Like he was, he was. no slouch. So honestly, he played better than Deshaun Watson did. And Deshaun Watson did not play that well um, this past week as well. So, um, but also another guy I was thinking of, like see what the Browns, if it's saying, and I want to talk about the Browns, like see what they want for Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like, he he was very impressive in the preseason. If it if it doesn't cost you that much, taking a chance on a potential another young guy, like if you're just gonna go all in on like youth at quarterback and like hope that one of these guys just hits, um, he was the one guy in the preseason that I think was like showing the most promise. So, yeah, I I think there's the problem though is that if you are if you're having conversations with Tom Brady but also Dorian Thompson Robinson, you you kind of come off as like the the schizophrenic team at that point like what's your direction i mean you're just doing everything you can man like honestly you're just trying things you're just the man <laughs> yeah, in the arena really man in the arena exactly i mean the the brady thing i mean come on i he's not gonna come play for the jets it's just not gonna happen um but like you know i don't know it's like it's it to me it just seems like one of those things that just seems like it would be a lot of fun to see like tom brady suit up for the Jets, you know? I mean, that will probably kill Bill Belichick, and that era of New England Patriots football is going to be over forever. I, I mean, I think it's too early to, to tell, right? Like, they they need to give Wilson some first-team reps. They need to give him some confidence. And ultimately, like, they're in a better position now this year than they were last year. And who knows? They could like pack it in by like week eight and say like we're not going to win anything, and they just tank the rest of the year. They can go out and get a, they can go out and get a offensive lineman in the draft that'll help bolster that group. They save some money, or who knows? They might just say, you know what? We're not sure what we're going to get with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen everything we need to see from fucking what's his face, the Mormon kid. And let's like dig in to see if we can grab a guy like, um, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake may. Um, But all that to be said, like, I think on the other side of it though, there's another quarterback that's just as concerning and that's Josh Allen. Like he looked terrible in that game. 
I mean, I'm willing to give a little bit of leniency um, to the Bills because the Jets' defense, I like I said, is legit, you know. But yeah, he he worries me a lot because he's. This is year. I don't know. This is what year? Year six. Year six. Yeah. So you're six and you're still doing the hero ball shit. Like, and I understand that he thinks that he needs to make a play. Otherwise they're going to lose or something like, but like, I think he ends up costing the team more than he ends up helping them in those scenarios. But like, does anybody miss Brian Dable more than Josh Allen? Ken Dorsey is not it. No, no. And, and frankly, there was that tweet that went out that talked about like, as soon as Dayball left Buffalo, Josh Allen completely went to pieces. And as soon he, as he got there, he yeah. became a confident and confident quarterback. He so, he looks good, but like you know, he's still he's still Josh Allen, and he can still make uh, you know these really nice plays. But like he just just there's the consistency is just not there. And the decision and, making too, like the yeah. fumbles, the picks, like all of those things. A lot of them are just you know, you're, you're just trying a little too hard. And in some cases, like, you know, man, just fall down or just throw it out of bounds. Like you don't need to make, not every play needs to be a highlight play, but you just need to make it to the end of this game. And I feel like he's lost his way a little bit there. I'm not like, there's no coincidence that he's also on the Madden cover and there used to be a Madden curse. It might be coming back. You never know, Mm. but I don't know. It's just the vibes are way off in Buffalo. And I think I'm, they may have been overrated a little bit because that defense, I had completely forgotten that Leslie Frazier took the year off. Um, mm-hmm. So now Sean McDermott is calling plays, which you know, he's a good defensive coordinator. He was great for the Panthers a bunch of years ago. They arguably the best their defense ever looked. Um, so I'm not like worried about that, but like the defense didn't look as good either. Um, so like, it just seems like their offense and their defense are both kind of under like, Underperforming, but again, I, I also want to point out like the Jets are really good, like so it's like they I think are, and it's they, week one too, right? It's also so week one. Lamar Jackson didn't look good. Joe Burrow had his worst game I've ever seen him play. Like a lot of Pat Mahomes on Thursday night last week was not exceptional. Um, a lot of that was due to Young Joka, um, but like you know, so. I know that we got other things that we wanted to talk about, but I was curious about this as well. And this was actually a topic that I wanted to bring up. I'm wondering if the fact that there is one less preseason game Mm. has really impacted these guys in a way that people have not predicted, because this is two years in a row where scoring and total offense across the league is way down in week one. And Nick Sirianni had mentioned this after the Eagles game where they didn't look great either. Granted, the conditions were kind of shitty in New England too, but he said like, you know, we didn't play a lot of our starters in the preseason and that might be something that we have to look at moving forward. I just like the amount of times that I turned on a preseason game and there were starters that were in there was very few and far between. And, you know, you have to sacrifice you know, we want to keep our guys healthy for the season, but at the same time, they need reps, particularly the young guys and the 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 timing related positions. And I feel like it takes a couple weeks for the NFL offenses to finally ramp up and be in full speed. 
Yeah. Week one was very much like everyone is just trying to figure out how this whole thing works. It's a preseason. Yeah. It's a preseason game. Yeah, but because it unfortunately, it counts. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the numbers, there were one, two, three, four, five guys that threw for over five hundred yards, and um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 13 guys, 14 guys that threw for 200 yards or less. Yeah. And everyone else is just kind of in the middle. So the thing is that I think that I agree with you here because like, we'll get to the giants later. I don't even want, I don't even really want to talk about them, but like um, (laughs) the, the giants play Daniel Jones and the starting offense for one series pretty much in it's not one enough, preseason man. game. It's not. And it's, and it's like you're treating him like he's Pat Mahomes. And it's like, you know, <laughs> like he's going to all of a sudden be this like guy who can just play one series and be ready to go. And it's like you walk into a buzzsaw um, with, with Dallas Cowboys. So like I, I do I do think that this is a problem. And like I'm not against getting rid of one of the preseason games. I think the preseason was, was way too long. And – it was starting to get annoying, like that extra game. It really does kind of like just it's a little too much. Right. But I also think that we're kind of going the other way now to where it's like we we at least played guys in the preseason, like never in the first game. The first game was always kind of like backup starters, kind of ease everybody in. But then the second was a ramp up. Third, you played like the first half mm-hmm. at least, maybe into the second half too. And then the fourth game, you wouldn't play at all, right? So it's like you're barely, you're only really playing the two games, but you were playing a decent amount in those two games. Yeah. And like I, now it's like one series. I mean, Pat, I think Pat Mahomes was playing in the preseason. Like that's one thing I like about the Chiefs is like I, I saw Mahomes playing in the preseason. So, um, yeah, I, I understand risking the injury, but like you got to like at least try like protect him tell him to throw the ball away quicker like if you know if he feels like he's going to get sacked like throw it in the ground yeah your preseason a- stats don't matter we just need to get the timing down you could throw 18 interceptions in the pre- I don't give a shit like as yeah. long as you're not getting yourself hurt and like if the interceptions are just throwing the ball away or whatever just to avoid a sack like I don't care but like it's it's the point of like getting on the field and taking a hit, and also like these like these safeties and these linebackers, like like a lot of missed tackles too, and it's because they're not hitting anybody. And like mm-hmm. the we'll get again, we'll get to the Giants later, but that Saquon fumble that turned into a pick six is because he didn't he wasn't taking any, he didn't take a single hit in the preseason. So yeah, you know, yeah. So I mean, I've I, we've we've observed that quite a bit, and. You know, hopefully things start to turn around this week, but I think it's going to be a couple weeks just because there's so there's so little hitting that happens in midweek training as well. So, yeah. Um, do we want to talk about? Um, do we want to talk about the Giants, or do we want to eat our vegetables and just go around the league and talk about observations? I mean, might as well at this point. I mean. So the Giants lost 40 to nothing at home against the Cowboys and probably their worst loss ever. It um, was, honestly. Oh, okay, good. I'm, I'm glad I got that stat correct. Um, yeah, the, the last one that was as bad was actually against the Cowboys week one, 35 nothing, and that was in 1995, the year the Dallas Cowboys won the Super Bowl. Oh, good for them. 
So is this a throwaway game or are there any like meaningful observations from it? Um, Sunday night uh, against the Cowboys was the worst game I've ever seen. And I know that sounds like recency bias, but uh, I can't pull a single pot. Like every game I'm usually able to pull like this, this good thing happened. This good thing happened. It was from head to toe, T to B, just the worst game I've ever seen. To, and and I, I knew, like, you can ask Otto because I was watching the game with Otto. I, from the beginning, was, like, smelling disaster because even on the first drive when they were moving, anytime Daniel Jones dropped back, it was two seconds, some guys in his face. Yeah. And I knew that this was going to be a problem because I they were like, oh, they were getting all of these rushing yards. And I'm like, yeah, Dallas was overcommitting to pass rush. So, like – you're you're gonna have room to run. Like they were pretty much saying, "Go ahead and run." I don't. We don't give a shit. You're gonna have to throw eventually, and when you do, we're gonna make you pay for it. And to just see that, you know, field goal block turns into uh, a return for a touchdown. Then Saquon, fumble, you know, does that like pops off his hands into the hands of defender, pick six. You knew in the first quarter the game was over. Mm-hmm. My biggest thing is this. I thought we were past this. And I think that's the the most sobering part of this is that I know like I'm not gonna sit here and say fire Brian Dable and fire like no, like clearly not. He's he is here to stay and he's my coach and I like I still like Brian Dable a lot. It, it doesn't really change anything. Some of the glimmer is off now, some of like the shine from last year, mm-hmm. like it's starting to fade a little bit and it's like it's sobering. But I really thought we were past this. I really, really, really thought we were done with the humongous blowout games. And it sucks because, like, the offensive line looks worse somehow. Like, Evan Neal, seventh overall pick last year, really was hoping that he was going to take that step forward. He worked with Willie Anderson, a you know guy who should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Getting out of his stance quicker and all of that. Because if him and Thomas, you know, were, were both at that same level, like, I mean, sets you up great. The interior, the offense, and like Dallas, credit to Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn's a fucking genius. He knew to rush Michael Parsons up the middle. And like, they had no answer for him at all because the guard, the interior offensive line, we, I mean, we are starting a rookie at center. Garbage, pure garbage. Mark Bowinski cooked. Um, but what makes this the worst game is like, I mean, like, I don't know if you saw that viral video of Dallas just basically like making fun of the offensive line on the sideline. They were mic'd yeah. up and they were like, you get a sack, you get a sack. It's at home, you get destroyed, right? Like in the rain. But also on top of this now, we walked away with with injuries. Yeah. Graham Gano, our kicker who we just gave an extension to, I think he's okay. Um, I think he's going to play. So I think he's okay. But like he might not be – Great. Andrew Thomas, thank God it was not a season-ending injury because, like, without Andrew Thomas, like, his offensive line stinks with him. Imagine without him. Um, Darren Waller is going to be the biggest one because that's supposed to be – that's going to be an injury that lingers for the season. He's practicing, uh, but he's – apparently he's got nerve damage in his hamstring. So it's, like, it's going to be one of those things that, like, is going to be a constant problem. Like, it's just never going to be perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, 
But uh, so these walking with these injuries, Aziz Ojolari, a guy who only played in eight games last year, uh, seven games last year, got eight sacks last year. So like there was a hope that if he stayed healthy with Thibodeau, those two guys would like just you know be able to cause havoc. He walked away with a hamstring injury, like and again, like it was one of those things last year that with him he was just constantly hurt. So it's just you walk away with the injuries, the embarrassment, and all of that. And then now you look at the schedule. They got Arizona this week, and it's like if you don't beat Arizona, pack it in. It, I, I hate to say it's a must win, but it is. And I don't even I don't even look at it as a must win in the sense of like they have to win. It is a must win, and you got to win by two scores. Like you got to win yeah. by two touchdowns in this game. The because, line for that game is minus four, New York. So it's minus four gotta, right now. Yeah, you got to win by. That means like Vegas, you said, is, Vegas is is telling you to pick the Cardinals in this game pretty much. So, but then after that, Tom, I want to read off here just the next few weeks after this, after the Arizona game. So imagine for a second, you don't win the Arizona oh, game, yeah. right? Short week, Thursday night in San Francisco. So you're going to have to travel to San Francisco going against Nick Bosa, right? Then Monday night, another primetime game, back-to-back primetime games at home against Seattle, Seattle not scaring you, but like they Seattle beat Seattle whooped us last year, so like yeah, even we were playing well. Then you're going to, uh, to Miami. Miami, and then Sunday night you're going against Buffalo in Buffalo, and then Commanders, and that's probably like the the easiest game, quote unquote, that they're going to have coming up because then they have the Jets the following week, and then the Raiders, which are going to be an easier game. But that like that first stretch is fucking brutal it's a lot of travel too that's the other thing that no one's talking about. they are the most they are the most travel team this year as far as schedule is concerned arizona san francisco i'd imagine they're just going to stay on the west coast right yeah it's a lot of west coast visits um because yeah it's a lot of west coast visits thankfully they do face the rams at the end of the year but that's at home Um, yeah so cardinals niners you get you go home against the seahawks but then you go down to Miami, and granted, it's not a long flight, but it's still like two thousand miles away. Yep. And um, you're going to, and, and you're going to, and by the way, you're you're going. I they I'm, they might just, I I imagine they might just stay out west um, after the Arizona game because it's short week, and you got Thursday night against San Francisco. Yeah, San they'll Francisco. definitely stay out there. Fuck but it. then right after that, you go to Buffalo, so you take. A no, you're, it's home, no, it's home against Seattle um, on Monday night. No, no, Miami and then Buffalo or back. Oh, Miami and then Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. So then yeah, you're going straight from Miami, then back to Buffalo. Fucking racking up those Delta miles then. Dude, I'm i it's crazy. And it's just it's just like it's crazy. I remember when the schedule came out, I was like, Oh, that's not great. Like it's just a lot of West Coast trips. Now, thankfully, at the end of the year, there's not a ton of travel. Like they do have to go to New Orleans and but then it's like a lot of it's a lot of home games the rest of the way, pretty much. So like, yeah, it's not too it bad. It softens but, up a little bit too. But if you if you don't get if you're like one and five after the first six games, like it's not really going to fucking matter. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a hard year for them. But I will say, like, think of the teams that have not had good starts to their season. Like the Bengals did not have a good start. Um, and there's a number of other number of other teams that just really just started flat. And a part of me really like Seahawks did not do well um, in their in their game 
I wasn't expecting a ton from the Broncos, but maybe a little bit more life, especially because they were playing at home. Yeah. Steelers completely just melted down they and awful. turned into just wet laundry the whole time. So a part of me just wants to say, like, burn the tape, fuck it. Like, this is this will happen in the NFL. I will say, too, and I don't want to make the comp because um, I don't want to put the expectation on them, but in 2003, the Patriots lost to the Bills 30 to nothing in the first game of the year. Yeah, I, I would feel better. I think I'd feel better if we if we had lost um, 40 to nothing, but Evan Neal played fucking great. The offensive line played great. The defense just got overwhelmed, right? Like, yeah. Or like whatever. Like I, I can live with like weird, quirky mistakes. Like they got beat 40 to nothing. Um, just like nothing could go right for them in this game. The, and, and, the, and the rain is the equalizer, right? But it's like, you, you're playing a team from Dallas that plays in a fucking dome, and you're a team from New York that plays out in the elements, and you're the one struggling in the rain? Like, it should yeah. be the opposite. So it's yeah. like, it's hard for me, and I can't pull a single positive out of this. I But the problem is the offensive line is just still a fucking mess. And it's like, Evan Neal looked fucking awful. Like, to give context also, Andrew Thomas um, injured himself on the uh, the blocked uh, – I think it was the pick six, actually. Mm-hmm. He tried to run it back, and, and you know, it ultimately hurt his hamstring. Now, at, later in the game – and we'll get to this. I wanted to ask your uh, your how you feel about this. Um, later in the game, they finally pull Andrew Thomas out, and you can tell he's not healthy. They put uh, last year's third-round pick a guard – Josh Zudu um, at left tackle, and he didn't look bad. He looked pretty good actually at left tackle. And you can like I was watching some of his reps, and like you can see he kind of like has that nice anchor, can kind of like pull down, and he was like kind of stopping his guy. But you saw the right side of the offensive line collapsing every single play. Like Evan Neal was just getting fucking worked. So it's like. Our seventh overall pick couldn't even – even in, like, garbage time when Dallas had, like, nobodies in this game. And that's the thing that was most concerning. It was, like, he wasn't getting beat by, like, Micah Parsons, right? Like, he get beat by Micah Parsons, whatever. I get it, you know? He was getting like, beat by, like, replacement-level players. Dorrance Armstrong. Oh, 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 by the way, not a bad player. Like, they're pretty deep. Like, Sam Williams, Dorrance Armstrong. They have some good pass rushers on that defense. But, like – you're a seventh overall pick last year. I expect you to be able to beat Dorrance Armstrong. Like, right. if you get beat by Michael Parsons, I get it. You know, but like, fucking Dorrance Armstrong? Like, come on. But I, I did want to bring this up and I want to ask your, because like, this has been a big point of contention um, for Brian Dable. He is starting to get the Tom Thibodeau reputation in that in meaningless games, He's exposing his players to potential injuries. Last year, um, Dory Jackson uh, came in as punt returner. He ended up getting injured, and it's like, why would you put your number one corner at punt returner? Go put a, you know some running back or wide receiver there. This game, Brian uh, obviously Daniel Jones didn't come out until like the fourth quarter. The game was over after the first quarter, right? You could have pulled him after halftime and put Tyrod Taylor in there, especially when Andrew Thomas came out you would think you would want to pull Daniel Jones because you don't want to expose him to injury. I'm going to offer my perspective after, but I want to get your idea of how you feel about that. Do you think that they should have pulled Daniel Jones earlier or do you not really see it as a big deal? 
This one's tough, to be honest with you, because a part of me is remembering that conversation that we just had where these guys really need reps. They need to be able to have in-game quick reps that are meaningful. And, like, there's no other way you're going to get it. Like, pulling them out of a game because you're losing, I mean, it makes sense. If we're, if we're looking at the injury perspective, sure. But... I would keep them in, frankly, because I think it's a lot – football is a lot different than baseball where if it's like a blowout, like everyone gets pulled and a position player st- starts to throw pitches. Like it's it's much easier just to give up and things like that. But I'm not saying that the Giants had any shot at coming back because they, they definitely didn't. But – if there is a way to get guys reps and at least get them ready for the second game and have them more prepared from like a spatial awareness and timing perspective, play them. I get it. Guys can get hurt. Guys can get hurt doing fucking anything. Didn't there, right. wasn't there somebody on the team last year that broke their hand on an ATV? Uh, Xavier McKinney. Yeah. Uh, so during the, during the bye week, he, uh, he was like vacationing and he hurt himself on a, on an ATV. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, guys can get hurt doing whatever shit. Is By the way, one of the only guys on defense who actually played pretty well um, oh. was Xavier McKinney. Yeah, I, I I saw this as, like, kind of a non-issue. Um, I think people were making a really big deal out of it. And, like, I – Brian it's a Dable pile said, on, It's a pile-on issue. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand where Brian Dable's coming from. He was he, – he was they asked him after the game, and he said, like um, – he was trying to make something happen, you know, trying to trying to get a score going. And, like, I agree with you that, like, I think because of the fact that they're getting such limited reps, like, yeah, why why should Daniel Jones come out of the game? You know what? Like, why should he? Like, he's part of the reason. He threw that horrible interception to Stephon Gilmore, um, crosses, crosses body on the sideline. The pick six was not his fault. The fumble was not his fault. It was the rookie center. But, like, I don't know. I didn't see it as that big of a deal. And honestly, like, yeah, you can get hurt at any time. So it's like, it doesn't really make a difference. Um, I would maybe in the future, if we're in the middle of the year, um, I would say maybe pull him a little bit earlier, but like in the beginning of the year, like he needs the fucking reps, like let him take some hits. And you know what? Maybe like, he'll maybe he'll get in this fucking offensive line's face and get them the fucking block finally, because like, at this point, like, if you don't want to keep taking these hits, like, you got to be the one to go in there and, like, fucking call these guys out. Because, like, otherwise, yeah. like, no one's doing anything. And, frankly, the stuff that was going on in that game, too, like, that's how fights in the locker room and shit happen. Like, people making bonehead decisions or making bad mistakes. You know, make a mistake once, that's one thing. Do it two or three or four times and miss a block or you're lazy getting off. Um, the ball, or you're just not paying attention to anything that's happening around you. Like you want to talk about guys getting hurt. That's how guys get hurt. And yeah. I, I agree with you. Like, I think Daniel Jones needs to be a little bit more assertive and be like, Hey guys, you're the ones letting this fucking turnstile happen. And I'm the one who's taking the brunt of it. Yeah. So if you want to be any good this year, it's really up to you. And it's not like there's no talent up front either. They have guys that, have been scouted well, have been talked about. You just need to go out there and fucking execute. And hopefully, and maybe Dayball was thinking about it this way, like 
we're losing now, but if we keep everybody in, maybe they'll start to fucking figure something out and yeah. we can move on from this game knowing more than what we did going into it. Some respect Outs- points. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a I have a fix, by the way, for this, for this Giants okay. team. Um, first, Thomas McGahey, the special teams coach, fire him. He's got to go. He was one of the holdovers uh, from the previous administration. From the Fudge era? From the Joe Fudge era. And I, I, I was kind of surprised because, like, the special teams were never really that good, which was kind of ironic because Joe Judge was a special teams coach. And I'm like, special teams have never been that good under him. Uh, but uh, like he, they kept him on. I think he needs to go. Like this is too many times where the special teams is really fucked up. Because if you look back on the block field goal, mm-hmm. they had they essentially the formation, the way the formation was, they had one guy blocking two people. It was Can't that kid it. I just mentioned, Josh Zudu, and he blocked neither of them. So it's like it's bad coaching. It's bad alignment. It's like. It's just all around. It was bad. Yeah. Um, it's just not a good approach to but, how you're going into that game. No. And it's like, again, like, you know, it's bad enough that, like, the rookie center fucking throws a ball in the dirt. And then, like, you know, you have to settle for a fucking field goal. And then on top of it, it's three points that you're getting that are now a race. And, oh, by the way, it turns into a touchdown for Dallas. It's like it couldn't get any more demoralizing than that. But – I'm going to tell you right now, Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach, needs. I would fire him too. Mike Munchak is technically not retired. Mm-hmm. He's technically still available, but he apparently has moved to Denver to be closer to his daughter. I would offer him whatever the fuck he wants. Give him the bag. And have him come in and coach the offensive line, do the run game coordinator, whatever, and pay him an absolute bag because he's the only guy that like is available. Because like the one thing I don't know if like it's been a major conversation is that offensive line play across the board in the NFL has been horrific. Yeah, it's been bad. There's not many teams where you look at and you go, they have a good offensive line. There's maybe like a handful, maybe three or four teams that you can look at. The Eagles are one. The Cowboys are another. Um, there's a couple teams that you can kind of point to and say, like, they have a really good offensive line. It comes down to pretty good. Who is it? 49ers. 49ers, absolutely. And it can you can come down to coaching, right? Like without an off good offensive line coach, like these kids, they just don't they just don't do enough at the NFL level, like early on with the with the collective bargaining being the way it is, like they don't get a lot of time. Um, a lot of practice time, so and like with no pads and no helmets and all that. So, a lot of these guys who are already kind of raw coming in, it takes them longer to develop, and it's hard to develop when you're getting your ass kicked. Yeah, and these defense defensive guys are faster than they've ever been. So, to me, the only solution is like the Eagles have just Stoutland, who is arguably the best offensive line coach in the league. Like. Three coaches. He survived three coaches. And, like, I think a lot of times these guys, like, before they accept the job, are like, is Jess going to stay on? Because, like, you know, if he ends up leaving, they're screwed. So without an elite offensive line coach, like, you're kind of screwed. So, like, you really should be paying guys whatever you can. I mean, you had Bill Callahan for a long time Mm -hmm. um, in, in Washington. Like, another guy who was just an elite offensive line coach. Except they just didn't have the talent for him. They did not have the talent, but like they outperform. You can argue they outperform their talent. 
That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my solution is go get Mike Monchak. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens with the Giants. Um, hopefully they fucking turn it around against the Cardinals. I, that being said, um, moving to the Washington Commandos. I, I just want to say uh, quickly before we do, if they don't turn, do it against the command, uh, they don't do it against the Arizona Cardinals. It's Caleb Williams season. And I, I just want to suck for Caleb Williams. All right. Yeah, let's move that's on. fair. Um, so getting into the, the Mando's Cardinals game, this was very much like a week one game because it was fucking all over the place. The starter for the Cardinals, Josh Dobbs was not named until like the day before. And it was just kind of an all over the place thing. Q, you had mentioned the offensive line play across the league has been bad. This game is no different. I was watching. Yeah. Six sacks. Two of them were on Howell. Four of them were for the offensive line. Just not know what the fuck they were doing. There's a, um, there's a channel on YouTube called ref the district where they broke down all of the sacks during that game. And it's just like bad protection, bad calls um, guys just missing their blocks, like not paying attention, but ultimately Washington was able to pull this game out solely because they figured out how to play in the second half. Like the first half was essentially a wash. Um, Washington went into the first half, went into halftime losing, and they had a nice touchdown run from um, Sam Howell. That looked really, really good, and they were just able to figure things out. I was actually, re- excuse me, I was really impressed by the resiliency this team had, but the the defense won this game for them, hands down. I mean, I know that the big question is, are they going to give Chase Young an extension? I don't think they should because he didn't play in that game. I think they should give that money to Montez Sweat and then mm. some because he has been electric since he got to Washington. And, I mean, that defensive line is well paid, but those guys produce. And you could just tell – the momentum shifted in the second half because they just annihilated everybody out there. Emmanuel Forbes with the game, uh, the game ending um, like swatted down pass. I think this team has survived a game that they were like kind of questionable on. They didn't cover the spread, but all the same, they got out of this game. They survived. They go play the Broncos who did not look good in week one. So we'll see what happens moving forward. I thought Howell looked great. Um, I think he, I, again, you have to take into context as this is his second career start. Yeah, he looked okay. And I think for me, a lot of his issues were, they were offensive line related because a lot of the issues were early where the offensive line was just not giving him a chance to do anything. And when young guys they start to see like the protection breakdown. The first thing they're going to do is just tuck the ball and try to run or try to yeah. make a play outside of the pocket. And you could see a lot of what he was doing was trying to overcompensate for that offensive line, just not being able to hold together for an extended period of time. Andrew Wiley looks like shit, the right tackle the whole time. And I think, I think Howell's just trying a little too hard. He was holding the ball too much in the first half and I think the enemy was finally able to like coax something out of the offense where it was more like quick passes, like let's get the ball moving. 
And also, too, like Antonio Gibson fumbled, fumbled return for a touchdown. He did not see the field for the rest of the game. And he's, he's awful. Yeah, I mean, I was really concerned because he had fumbling issues in the past. Didn't really happen so much last year, but, dude, man, you have to hang on to the football. He's had too many chances at this point. Yeah, so Chris Rodriguez came in and took over for him. Brian Robinson looked good. Brian Robinson did look good. I just wish that they, I wish that they went to him a little bit more because it seemed like they ran away pretty quick. I mean, Sam threw the ball thirty-one times, and well, Robinson almost twenty carries, almost sixty yards. I think they'll yeah. probably give him more as it goes. They just didn't want to overload him week one. Also, it's to see what. Chris Rodriguez can do because obviously it looks like uh, it does not look like Antonio Gibson has like, I, again, the, the, the fumbling is just, it's just too many times over and over again. Like that, like how many times can you get away with it at this point before it's right? Gone? I mean, there were other issues too. Like um, Logan Thomas at tight end was not good. And I'll be really curious to see how long that experiment continues on for He's been with the team for, I think, three or four years now, and he had one really good year. He's been hurt every other, and yeah. he's just either been hurt or inconsistent. And frankly, like, he got targeted eight times. He had four catches. I think he had a drop in there too. But, I mean, the offense just was not churning the way it was supposed to. And I, I, I put a lot of that to, like, the first week. Again, a lot of these guys didn't have a lot of play time with one another, but – Gibson has to do something to figure it out or else he's going to lose snaps to Chris Rodriguez. And like the one thing that Gibson was really good at is catching the football because he's a former wide receiver from Memphis. And if he's not able to get on the field, then the one good thing that he's good at is going to go away. And so I think everybody was a little, um, a little overreactionary on Sam Howell. I saw some tweets and things come out like, this is the guy that we're supposed to have. Keep in mind, he's the highest rated of the NFC East quarterbacks at this point um, from week one. So I don't think he's going to be like a world beater this year, but I do think he's going to be better than 19 for 31, 202, a touchdown and pick and six sacks. Hmm. The offensive line is the biggest issue. I think everywhere else in the team, they're relatively solid. It's just like that right side of the the, the left guard with Sadiq Charles and Andrew Wiley are big, big, big question marks. Yeah, And I think they need to do something to shore up those parts. Nick Gates played fine. Sam Cosby played fine. Um, Charles Leno played really well. I think their biggest issues are – are, I mean, the interior and the right tackle are going to be fucked if they don't figure it out. What is what is going on with Chase Young? So in the first preseason game, he got a stinger in his shoulder, and apparently it's been the longest lingering stinger possible. Like he's had multiple MRIs and things like that. Mm-hmm. Apparently he was full go in practice today and is expected to play on Sunday against the Broncos, but I really don't know. And frankly, like, guy, you have to play. Like, you have to be out there to show why you deserve an extension. I'm Mm -hmm. sure he wants to play, 
but you're you have to push through it because you're gonna you're getting replaced by guys that are playing better than you right now and it's gonna probably take a couple games for him to like knock the rust off because he didn't play at all last year he got hurt the year before he missed all the preseason game all the preseason games with that stinger in his shoulder so I mean the clock's ticking for him and I don't yeah. I don't think that they're going to resign him just given the availability issues that he had. I go back to what I said earlier. Like if you want to give somebody money, you give Montez Sweat that money. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like Montez Sweat coming out a lot. Um, so like it doesn't surprise me. He only fell because he had that heart condition, whatever it was, mm-hmm. that people were talking about, and it just ended up being nothing. Um yeah, Chase Young, man, like it's 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 weird. Like we've talked about this before that like, you know, that Washington Giants game was like the deciding factor between the number two pick. And I was pissed when that when that we lost. I, I was pissed when the Giants won that game because it meant we weren't getting Chase Young. We ended up getting Andrew Thomas, which ended up working out pretty well. Um, it sucks, man, because like he, he was a guy that I think everyone felt like because Miles Garrett had come out a couple years before, and it was like yeah. he's the best edge rusher since Garrett to come out, just from from a physicality standpoint. But he just looks like one of those guys that just like he either at this point, like, and I'm not going to make any assertions about him, but like he either can't get it going or he just doesn't, you know, doesn't want to. Like, right. Some guys are able. Some guys are good at being able to play through pain, and some guys aren't. So um, I don't know. It's yeah. at this point, it's too many, too many injuries piling up. Yeah, I mean, you know, that first year was really, really exciting because they also made the playoffs that year too. Yeah, and you you could feel like there was an energy switch with the team in general. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, it's just been one injury after the other. I mean, he in 2021 he played nine games and had one and a half sacks. Then last year. He played in three games and was just kind of like floating around. Like he didn't play a whole lot because he was coming back from that injury. He also re-injured himself last year too in his recovery. And I mean, I wish the best for him. I hope that he comes back and goes nuts this year. Like make the decision at least hard for us as a team. But I mean, the, the train is leaving the station at this point. Like you you have to figure out like what you're going to get out of him because you don't want to commit any money moving forward because you're just going to get more of the same question mark. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's, you get to the point, right. Where it's like, how can I realistically, cause like the, especially edge rushers, like the, the action, the contract that you have to give these guys, it's like astronomical. They're huge contracts and they're yeah. like, they will really bog the team down, especially too, because They've already given big deals to Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. Yep. So now you're going to – you have to commit more money to the other side of the defensive line when you have other people popping up too that you're going to have to pay eventually. Um, Terry's been paid, which is good, but you're going to have to put money into the secondary as well with Cam Curl, or you're going to have to eventually find money for Jahan Dotson. So – Thankfully, Dotson is what year two, so he's still got yeah. a little ways to go. But uh, yeah, it's it comes up fast though. Yeah, I mean you don't and you don't just want to be like throwing money around too, because eventually it's all gonna you're all it's all gonna be owed after a certain point. 
the the good thing for you guys that is if Howell does hit, um, it's really good for you because like that's a, fifth a lot round of problems. Pick. Yeah, fifth round pick, like barely like minimum salary type guy uh, at quarter at the most ex- expensive position in the league, which is quarterback. You know, so it's like that that would be significant. But he's got a hit, which is the the question mark. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm looking up right now because I was curious if I'm curious to see who are the offensive linemen that are free agents right now. I know that Lael Collins just became a free agent. And- so I was I was gonna mention Lael Collins because he is really the only one like personally like myself like I'm interested potentially in, but like. The thing that worries me is that if if Cincinnati, who is continually without a good offensive line, mm-hmm. is willing to just toss him aside and take the dead cap that he's gonna he's gonna, it's gonna take, uh, it's, I don't know, man. Well, he was on the PUP too, wasn't he? Yes. So yeah, they released him off PUP. I mean, that's another concern right there, too, is a guy who you're not even going to be able to get to play until, like, week seven. Is that what it um, is? It's four weeks, so he okay. will be available week five. Okay. So you're hoping that this guy is going to be in tip-top shape week five. And, yeah. oh, man, it's pretty pretty scary Halloween right there. Yeah, it's it is, and uh, that's that's the that's the biggest issue is that you're ultimately relying on a guy to come in and and be productive when he has not been. And like again, mm-hmm. Cincinnati threw a fuck ton amount of money at him, and ultimately got nothing out of it. He played one year very poorly, got injured, and then now this is where we are. We're at so, like again, I always worry when I look at a team that's like. St- starving for offensive linemen just go like oh starting offensive lineman guy that's considered to be a good player no we don't need him so it's like what what are the odds that he's really going to come out there and be you know the guy you know yeah that's a good question like are you getting Lael collins from like three years ago with the cowboys you getting the one who is just a broken down husk of a human that's the that's the concern. <laughs> While we're on the subject of the NFL, were there any teams that surprised you that you're like, oh, okay, I might want to watch them for the rest of the year? Or were there others that were like, holy shit, this is a dumpster fire? Surprising for sure. Um, the Los Angeles Rams. Um, I Look, I, I've been pretty adamant that I think that the Seattle Seahawks are – a really interesting team. I think Geno Smith last year was uh, was quite good. They added Jackson Jigba. Yeah, and like you know, I just I think they're a very well coached team. So to watch them just get absolutely destroyed by by Matthew Stafford and and the Rams, um, and for people who play fantasy, it's already too late at this point. But Puka Anuka, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Uh, Puka Nuka. He's a rookie out of BYU. He's like he got 15 targets in this game. Like I tried to get him everywhere. It was already too late. I was too late on it. Um, with no Cooper Cup and the offense looked pretty functional. And like I'm surprised because also because like 
Stafford had over 300, 334 passing yards on a pass defense that I for the Seattle Seahawks that I thought was pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, they they really like had no answer for the Rams. So I think we we looked at the Rams this year and were like a team that was probably going to win like four or five games. And I don't know. I think it kind of flips the script a little. Again, week one is week one, but like definitely more interesting. As far as dumpster fire, Tennessee Titans, man. They really? look awful. Like the only thing they have going for them is that defensive line is disgusting. Like Jeffrey Simmons is arguably one of the best uh, interior defensive linemen in the game. But, like, Derrick Henry, like, and Derrick Henry felt like he was off the field, like, every play. Barely played, it feels like. Yeah. I remember remember we were talking about that, and he was just like, where is this guy? He's he's your bell cow. Tajay Spears is on, like, it felt like I was watching Red Zone because, like, whenever the Giants are not playing, I'm watching Red Zone. And every time they tuned into the Titans game, I was seeing Tajay Spears, a rookie on the field, like pass protection and all that. And I'm like, I'm like, did I miss something? Is Derrick Henry hurt? And it's like, no, no, he's fine. He's just like, they had him on the field. Like, I mean, granted, like, you know, Henry still ended up walking away with 15 carries and, and three targets. So it's not like he didn't get anything, but it's like for a guy like Derrick Henry, you feel like that you get more, but Ryan Tannehill just, Three interceptions, just absolute dumpster fire. They don't. I don't. I, DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know why he went there, but he got yeah, thirteen dude, targets. Dude, I just. I, why the fuck would you want to go there in the most <clears throat> boring offense in the NFL that is wanting nothing to do with passing the ball? Yeah, no. Why the like... hell would you want to be there? <laughs> the one team that's like, we're not going to pass the ball really at all. Um, I mean, he did get 13 targets, so I mean, he's getting his targets, but uh, they do and they did throw the ball 34 times, which in a, in a game that was pretty close, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, 30, it's not he threw the ball 34 times for a little under 200 yards, 198 yards. Ew, yeah, it's pretty gross. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know, I, I, I don't know what to make of it, honestly, and like. I, I, I just don't know what their identity is, and I don't know what – what do you do to fix this for your, for the Tennessee Titans? Like, what do you do that, like, next week? And again, you're going against New Orleans, like, not exactly a world-beater team. Um, I don't think they looked all that great either. Derek Carr is going to Derek Carr. Um, so to think – like, to see that and be like, just – I just I – don't, I don't know what you do with a team like that. Yeah, I'm wondering if the uh, we are in the sunsetting period of the Tennessee Titans being good. Um, it was a nice run for them for a long time. It um, sure was. Arthur Smith got a lot out of Ryan Tannehill. Um, Derrick Henry, being who he was, like did a great job. But like, I think, yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, this team is absolute ass right now. And the funny thing is, is they're gonna start like a child clone of Ryan Tannehill with Will Levis, <laughs> just an equal weirdo. That's going to be down Mayo. To, yeah, just <laughs> like a, like a venti red eye from Starbucks with like, <laughs> like four tablespoons of Duke's Mayo in there. Um, yeah. The, the Titans suck, but I will also say too, I think I set myself up for this question because I mm. said one team that's like, holy shit, this team sucks. And I had one guaranteed in there, but mm-hmm. I'm looking at some of these other two and I'm like, Oh boy, some of these are just not good. Uh, I'm going to go with my surprise team first that I'm going to keep my eye on. 
Mm-hmm. The Ravens. I, I like what they're doing there. I like, I always like Lamar Jackson. I have Zay Flowers on my fantasy team. He surprised a lot of people like Yahoo and their infinite wisdom said that he was going to get a whole lot of targets. I'm like, I don't know. I've heard a lot of good things. And I started him. He had a fantastic day. I, again, like, I know I really shouldn't like the Ravens, but I like Lamar. I, I like the guys they have on the team. We'll see what happens. It doesn't look like the NFC, the AFC North is going to be super competitive. So no, they I, might pull it out. The Browns are probably the only real threat to them at this point, but like, I don't even really think that. Um, and Bengals, I, yeah, I just, I don't even know what to do with them. I honestly, I kind of, uh, I'm going to slightly disagree with you on the Ravens. I think it's like, not about this, you. This is my time. <laughs> <laughs> the score was way different than like I was because I have Lamar Jackson in our fantasy league, and man, he looked like shit. Two fumbles. He had an a pin, interception. The offense looked good overall. Like he was like, aside from that, like, but he did get sacked four times too. I, I he was just being sloppy with the ball. Like he was just. I think I. You know what? I, and I, you know, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt that I think they thought Houston was going to be an easy walkover, and I think Houston kind of played them a little bit more competitive than they expected. Um, but yeah, I'm I am bullish long on long on the. Uh, on the Ravens, not as much on the Bengals. Yeah, and you have to think that OBJ is not going to have a second game with only two two touches. Yeah, three um, three targets, and yeah, I think he had that one really deep pass. That I think it was a, a penalty on. Um, yeah. So the other team, I'm going to add one more team here because this is our show. We can do what we want. Yeah. But um, Green Bay Packers, I want to see more of Jordan Love. Like Jordan Love, man. My man had. Three touchdown passes, played pretty yeah. well. Yeah. Team looked pretty good overall. Um the team that I'm really, really scared about was the team the Packers beat, the Bears. And oh man. Um, so if anybody yeah. has if anybody like wants to watch like in-depth reviews of all 22 tape. The quarterback school with JT O'Sullivan is very good. really, really good. Yeah, I like it a lot. I watched the one for the Bears offense today, and I'm not going to say I know JT O'Sullivan. Like, we're not neighbors or anything, and we're not – like, I haven't watched it nearly long enough, but he's a pretty, like, mellow guy, pretty calm. Very charitable. Yeah, he, he gives a lot of way to quarterbacks that are making mistakes. He ripped – the Bears, a whole new, brand new, straight from Costco asshole. And he's like, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing with some of these, like, what are we doing with these schemes? What are we doing with these, like, routes that these guys are running? He was yeah. talking about, like, this, like, um, this one play that they had where it was, like, these two post routes that both went to the, um, they went to the sideline. He's like, nobody runs posts like this let alone two of them next to each other and he destroyed chase claypool he's like i don't know who number 10 is but that is the worst blocking i've ever seen and just there is no idea what they're gonna do on offense and he was saying like you know justin fields he's a hell of an athlete but like really slow and lazy in the dropbacks like you telling me a guy this fast is this slow 
to do all of these things to get ready, like especially on screen passes where it's get the ball throw. And he's just like lackadaisical back there. He's like the offensive coordinator is just does not have his shit together. The offensive line coach, like this is also a fucking mess across the board. And if you want to watch a completely unmitigated disaster up front, the Bears are like prime time viewing. I, I think the only other team that has struggled with offensive line issues more than the Giants are, are the Bears, honestly. Um, their their offensive line continually is just absolute shit. Love JT O'Sullivan. I love I love his his YouTube show. It's great. Um I agree. I I, I Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator now. He was the Bear he was the uh, Packers uh offensive I think former was janitor I quarterback think. coach. We just lost Q. Um, so we were what we were talking about was what is the what is the issue going on with the Bears right now? And frankly, it's whoever the offensive coordinator is is complete shit. And the this is a team that is supposed to be making strides to be a stronger offensive team, particularly in the passing game. Q is back, thank God. Uh, but I was like, shit just crashed or something. Yeah, I was just vamping at the moment where I was saying, like, <laughs> this is a team that was supposed to be taking a step forward. This is the year that Justin Fields is supposed to be taking that th- that year three leap. Yeah. Now that he has a number one receiver, now that they've committed more tools to the offense. Week one, nah, dude, that was not it right there. I don't, I was watching that game because it, for whatever reason, they said, you know what the people in Charlotte would really like? Packers Bears. That's what they really want to see. Um, and it looked kind of sketchy when I was watching it. But then watching that QB school stuff, I'm like, holy fuck. Like, this team is lost. And I'm concerned for Justin Fields because he could fuck up his career in a place like that. I, I think a, also when it comes to the Bears, I think a, I think a, a serious conversation has to be had about uh, Ryan Poles, who is the new general manager there. A lot of criticism um, for him. Yeah, because when I look at what he's done since entering uh, the job as the Bears uh, Bears uh, GM, you know he he trades for uh, Chase Claypool. Now look, I mean. If I, I understand why Chase Claypool, high second round pick um, at a Notre Dame, I think he had double digit touchdowns in his first year. With he had a really club. good rookie year, yeah, really good. But it was kind of like ever since, and I, there's the infamous game against the Vikings. I think it was on Monday Night Football when mm-hmm. it's like the fourth, it's fourth quarter. There's like thirty seconds left. He gets the first down on fourth and one, and then he gets up and he's like celebrating, and it's like asshole, run the ball over, and it just like. Theodore's end up losing that game, just absolute disaster. Um, he just—he's considered like a bonehead to me. Yeah, like he just seems like a bonehead player. And I understand trading for him if you feel like he could be useful back then. But they gave up a second-round pick. Now, mind you, at this point, the Bears were already not a good team. It was pick number thirty-eight when they traded for him. It ended up being pick number 32. So it was technically a first round pick. Now it wasn't, right? Because it was, that was the year that Miami got their first round pick stripped from them. So it was technically the first pick of the second round, but it was ended up being pick number 32. And you traded them for that. Then he signs uh, Nate Davis. Um, Is that 330? Three, three years, 30 three million? Years, 30, yeah, 33 million. And he was fucking terrible. 
Um, not a good start for not a really not a good start for Ryan Poles as GM. Um, his uh, his his draft picks for the most part have not really paid off. Well, so, they made that uh, big hype about that offensive lineman. He's they were saying like this is the best prospect we've ever had here that we've drafted at offensive line, and the guy's fucking hurt. Like Tevin Jenkins, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I and like I loved. I mean, if you watch Tevin Jenkins' tape coming out, he was he I, he was he played at Oklahoma State. He was nasty. Like there was there was tape of him like taking a, a defender and driving him twenty yards into the sideline. Like I mean, but I mean, you know, if you can't stay healthy, you can't stay healthy. So you're no, you're no good to anybody if you can't stay healthy in this league. So um, a lot of questions about Ryan Poles and like yeah, Justin Fields. Like I I, I I'm still somewhat high on Justin Fields long term, but like the issues that I saw last year have not gotten better. Mm-mm. Maybe a one overreaction, but like, but like, the rushing has never been a problem for him. It's always been the passing, and like now it looks like even like just everything, just the footwork and everything like that, it's just sloppy. So yeah, and ultimately, like that's you know, guys might not be open. The offensive line might completely collapse, but just like being able to get set and through your reads is like you have one job at that point, and that's like at least to go back and be ready to pass. But it just seems like it's a little sluggish to the point where is it, is it that the offensive line is so bad and he has to improvise or the pieces of getting ready to go and set take so long for him that he's losing time doing that and putting himself in a position where he has to go and run around and, and take shots. Like he took a couple of big hits in that game. Like dog, you can't be doing that anymore. Yeah. You're not, you're not a Cam Newton or um, Josh Allen where you're six, five or six, six, like you're not a huge dude. And if you keep hitting, you keep getting hit like that, you are going to get hurt. Yeah. And it's honestly, it's just not good for your development either that like, you're just constantly getting your ass kicked and and like again like it's it's avoidable in a lot of scenarios but like Luke Getze I think is also getting like a wine share of the criticism here because like there was just no good route concepts there was no good for like vertical like there was nothing going on in this offense that looked and like again can't throw the ball right can't pass protect like you are a single, you know, you, you, your offense can only do one thing. You're, you're guaranteed to lose in this league. There's nothing yeah. that they can do for you at this point. Like, and again, in a division that didn't seem super competitive, but like the, I, the Vikings, I don't expect the Vikings to just lay down and, and you know, go away. Uh, Packers way like We didn't, you know, I, I didn't mention anything after that, but like, I agree with you. Jordan love looked fucking great. And again, one of the blessed franchises in this league that, like, no matter what, still we seem to have good quarterbacks. So um, it's it's not. And then the, the Detroit Lions. So like, it wouldn't yeah. shock me if the Bears end up in the bottom tier of that division and end up in the top ten of the draft again. Yeah, I mean, real soft landing for Jordan Love's first career start as the full time starter. He fucking ripped them to shreds. I mean, like, it wasn't even close. Yeah, I, I think you brought up a good point about like the route concepts and stuff like that. And like, if you're trying to take pressure off of Justin Fields, why are you only like? I and I know that we had talked about in the last episode. Is there going to be a three-way fight for 
RB1 in that backfield. Khalil Herbert, nine carries. Roshan Johnson, five. Dante Foreman, five. Like, I think Roshan Johnson wins that. Yeah, 19 carries collectively for your running backs, nine for Justin Fields. Like, guys, maybe we should run the ball a little bit more. Who knows? Like, because I think, like, this is a team that could do really well if they, like, say this is our bell cow running back. This guy is going to have like 20 to 25 carries a game. At least you've solidified something back there and you can get some tempo that way versus like, okay, Justin Fields, you're going to drop back 37 times and you're going to like, you know, we'll see what happens. YOLO. (laughs) Yeah, man, it's, I, yeah, I just I don't know what you, I don't like, again like I'm kind of in the same bucket here with the Giants that I am with the Bears that like I personally I don't know what you do at this point I don't know where you go from here with with this this group like I just I think I you just clean don't... house I think you just let everyone go but it's like again like the problem is you just hired these guys and it's like, now you're literally like, it's literally just a constant. Like, and again, like you'd be essentially giving up on fields in that regard. Like, because, which I mean, I'm not saying is, is necessarily like the wrong thing to do, but like, it just seems like, man, it just, it can't seem to ever get on track, you know? So it's just, I don't know. I don't know what you do. I mean, I think what the, what the end result is going to be is. I, I, Ryan Poles is going. Like there's, there's enough tape on his term as a GM to show that he's not good at it. And the guys that he's brought in have not been impact players. Again, it's only week one, but at the same time though, like nothing has changed from last year or the year before. I'm not like a Matt Eberfluss guy. Frankly, I think that was probably a bad move for them to go out and find a defensive coordinator to be a team where they need to develop a quarterback um, because I've never in my life, I, and I might be like thinking now in the moment, but I've never had a, I've never seen a offensive focused, like an offense. I've never seen a quarterback fully develop under a defensive coordinator head coach. Other than Tom Brady. Yeah. And it took him <laughs> fucking forever to do Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. It's just like I, I, I agree. I, I like Matt Eberflus a lot, but like maybe not when you have like a rookie quarterback. And like it's like kind of like when the Chargers hired Brandon Staley over Brian Dable. It's like right. I, I don't know. I mean, that shit should be written down at this point somewhere. Like first thing you need to do as a GM, and you're hiring a coach. Do you have like a flow chart? Do you have a rookie quarterback, or do you have the first pick in the draft? Mm-hmm. Yes. Higher offensive-minded fucking head coach. Right like, like, like if the Arizona Cardinals do end up becoming the worst team, right? And they and like, like they're kind of trying to do, and they end up getting Caleb Williams. Like you better fire Jonathan Gannon and hire like the best offensive mind you can find. Yeah, maximize that. Like look look what happened with uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know. Mm-hmm. Urban Meyer, I I don't know. If Urban Meyer is like a defensive guy. He's more of just a general head coach type of guy. General but, moron. Yeah. General <laughs> moron is right. <laughs> um, but you know they hired Doug Peterson, and now he looks like he's going to take a huge leap year three. So yeah, 
I mean, you, it's just, again, we keep making the same fucking mistakes over and over and over again with rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks where we think like, you know, what would really help this team a little defensive spunk. And it's like, mm. all right, but you also need somebody who's going to be willing to sit in that quarterback room and echo what the fucking QB coordinator or the QB coach and the passing game coordinator are saying to these guys, like, you have to score points and you have to be fucking good. And you can't be like the Rex Ryans of the world where you just didn't care and you never engaged with anybody on offense. And, and if you're going to have a defensive head coach, he better be like Rex Ryan to where like the defense is fucking ridiculous. Right. Right. Exactly. I don't know. I'm going to say this, and this might be like a way, way, way too early prediction, but even if, the commanders are just like a little good on offense. Like there are signs of life and they have a couple of like big blow up games. I can immediately see Eric B name getting floated as the bears head coach. I could see that. Yeah. And, but I also could see that like Ron gets fired halfway through the year and then interim head coach Eric B is the, yeah. uh, is the name. So I could also see that. You never know. Um, I wanted to talk about the Bengals. Yeah, hit me. I mean, if this is not more proof that you should just shut up sometimes, I don't know what is. Like, we saw that, like, the Bengals, over the last few years, the Browns have been fucking terrible, right? But yet, they own the Bengals. And J. Chase had to say, like, well, we see them as, like, little elves, which is a play on the Browns mascot, which I didn't even know they had a mascot. I thought it was the Bulldog. Now it's the Elves. I I don't know. Big, ugly fucking elf in the middle of the field. Um, Chase, of course, opened his mouth and started talking shit about the Browns, despite the fact that the the Bengals have not played well, despite their success, have not played well against them. Nope. And, of course, what happens? They got their ass kicked. Like, the worst I've probably ever seen the Bengals get their, their ass kicked. They score three points, and after Joe Burrow becomes the highest-paid quarterback ever, he goes 14-31 and 31. That's for 82 yards. That's 2.6 yards per. He gets sacked twice. QBR is 20.3. His QB rating 52.2. Jamar Chase backs up his big talk. He gets nine targets. Five catches for 39 yards. Yuck. T. Higgins. Absolutely zero. Yeah, zero for T. Higgins. And Deshaun Watson, not very good, but, like, the run game was just so good. Nick Chubb. um, Deshaun Watson gets 45 yards on the ground. Just absolutely get pantsed. And, like, it just – I, I don't I don't know what to make of this Bengals team sometimes because like and I, I can't tell if it's Zach Taylor or if I can't just tell that it's sometimes they just there's too many deficiencies that they just sometimes will get exposed like this but like it is it is a fucking problem for them and I don't know what you do about it. Yeah, man. I mean, I know the conditions in Cleveland were not good across the Northeast. It was bad. Like there were a lot of rain. It was colder there's some wind but like to be just completely just 
demolished like this is is scary because nobody is predicting the Browns are going to win this division. Um, and as you said, like Deshaun Watson was not scaring anybody. 15, 16 for 29, 154 with a pick and a touchdown. Did some stuff on the ground. That's cool. I bet for him, still a predator. Um, but to be <laughs> still a predator. Just to be absolutely just cooked by the Browns game one of the season. Yeah. Like, this is a team that had Super Bowl aspirations, too. Like, this is a team that was planning on contending for the AFC North title, for the AFC championship game, and to get into the Super Bowl again. And, mm-hmm. again, we're, you know, it's week one, but we're bored. And, you know, we need our fucking, like, little NFL, like, little brown rock burning in a spoon right now. <laughs> but – Holy shit. Like, honestly, this might be worse than what happened to the Giants. It honestly, I think it actually is because, it, like, they have Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. You have a top five quarterback and you have a top five receiver. Like, you're the you've highest been paid quarterback in the league ever, ever. Yes. And, and you've been to the Super Bowl in the last few years. Like, the Giants have been a joke for the last few years. So, like, it is arguably worse. It is against a division rival. It wasn't at home, but okay. You know, like, if that's the. It's the same state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think they're going to be one of those teams that's probably the biggest overreaction to week one. I think they're going to come out and they're going to be fine next week. But um, it, it is certainly, again, it's one of those things that, like, I think you should just probably shut up. But they do have Baltimore this week, so I mean, like, I don't know. Like, it could be if they go in two, it's gonna be it's gonna be rough. But um, so Tom, I want to take a little bit of a victory lap here. It's early; it's only week one, but I want to take a little bit of a victory lap if you don't mind. Sure. Baker Mayfield. All right. He looked pretty damn good, man. Let's calm down. He looked pretty damn good. He goes 21 of 34 for a buck 73, two touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers. Um, Tampa looked pretty functional. Um, Mike Evans gets a touch, gets a tutty. Chris Godwin's involved. I, I you know, Sean, your boy Sean Tucker is yeah. involved here. Um, I, I just, I said it, and again, I, I'm, I'm joking when I say victory lap, it's week one. But I, I do see a, <laughs> but I do see a, a legitimate path here that Baker Mayfield is not terrible. I think he's been in some shitty situations, but I don't think he's a talentless guy. I think that with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Rashad White and you know, uh, there's pieces there. There's pieces like, and then I, I also love uh, the kid. Uh, the rookie that they drafted, uh, Trey Palmer, for who's at Nebraska, is like a, a seam stretcher. Very mm-hmm. different than what Mike Evans and Chris Godwin do. Um, he scored a touchdown. Uh, yep. So it's just like I, I don't know. I I I I backed it up. By the way, I drafted Baker Mayfield in my my Superflex league. He's my third quarterback. Um, he will spot start when my when Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson are on bye weeks or if they get injured. I am not necessarily not enthused about Baker Mayfield here. I think he got a little bit of his swagger back. Um, you saw that one play where he kind of runs over a defender and he says, get your weight up. Like you can't come back from that. You can't, when someone says get your weight up after they run you over and it's Baker Mayfield, like you can't come back from that. So no, I, I just, honestly, I just think that 
again, I'm not calling him a pro bowler. I'm not saying he's going to make an all pro. I'm not saying he's winning the Super Bowl. I'm just saying that I think there is a path in which Baker Mayfield is a startable, pretty good quarterback in this league. And I think people were very quick to write him off and were very quick to say that the Buccaneers were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. And I don't think they necessarily will be. I mean, quick to write him off. He was a starter in Cleveland for four years. Yeah, but they but the minute that Cleveland got rid of him because they were going after Deshaun Watson, I think that's important context is that they weren't getting rid of him because like he was the worst, right? They were gonna stick by him, but the opportunity for Deshaun Watson came up and they jumped on it, which ultimately led to him getting traded. Carolina, shit fucking storm there. They look terrible week one. And then he ends up going where? Um, where am I missing? L.A. L.A. And he looked good in L.A. He, he started he that looked, one game and he looked yeah, good. He looked good. So, like, I, I'm just, like, connecting dots here. Like, I think that in a – I think he can be functional here. And I think people were just ready to say that Tampa was going to be the worst team in the league. One of the, I mean, it was between Arizona and Tampa. People kept saying, like, where is Caleb Williams going? Those were the two teams I heard the most. So – I don't think they're going to be anywhere near as bad as that. Yeah, and and I should say, too, I, I think that Baker Mayfield definitely deserves his flowers here because I've always liked him as a quarterback. It's just, you know, he was with that team. They had the remnants of the 0-16 Cleveland Browns squad. Um, he was in a really weird situation where the first year he was really, really good, and then – they threw a bunch of like offensive weapons around him that he probably felt very like un- uncomfortable around because, you know, it's Jarvis Landry, yeah. it's uh, Odell Beckham, it's Kareem Hunt. Like these guys are stars and you'd think like, this is what this guy needs to be successful, but they ended up just shouting at him the whole time because that offensive line was booty and he couldn't do anything. And I mean, I, Funny enough, he put up better numbers than fucking his uh, replacement, the Predator in Cleveland, which (laughs) I think is a nice little win for him. So, I mean, I hope that Baker is able to play a full season. I don't know necessarily what, like, I don't know if he's going to be able to put up like world beating numbers, but I mean, he put up 3,800 yards one year and this is going to be a really interesting division because it's really a toss up between probably the saints, the Falcons and uh, Tampa. Cause yeah. I think it's fair to say we can probably write off Carolina for this year. Cause they yeah. did not look good. I, um, I'm not, I'm not out on, I'm not out on uh, Bryce Young or anything like that, but I do, I don't think this is going to be the year for him. There is a lot of holes on that team right now. And I don't yeah. think it's just him. But, yeah. I mean, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, your guy, Trey Palmer, they're still there. Um, but also, that defense has a lot of pieces left over from when they went to the Super Bowl. Right. And, like, Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield, like, Carlton Davis III, like, Shaq Barrett. These are good players on that yep. defense. And they can, they can put it together. So, I mean, they – they could be a team that is like a sneaky 10 and seven. They could also yeah. be a team that's like a shitty six and 11. Yeah. But I, 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 I don't, I don't think they're going to be a, a three win or four win team. Though. No, I think they're going to be in the worst place you could possibly be in the NFL, which is like mid. Yeah. That, it is almost <laughs> better to be like, especially in a year like this, when you got Drake may 
and you got Caleb Williams coming out. These two really, really interesting young quarterback prospects. Mm-hmm. There's a couple other guys too that are really interesting. Jaden Daniels um, from um, LSU. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Caleb Williams being like the ultimate prize, obviously. Sure. Um, I think there's, I think there's just the best year to suck. That's why I said like for the Giants, like if you lose against Arizona, let the fucking wheels fall off. Like, give me Caleb Williams. My body is ready for that. <laughs> um, do we make anything of the Vikings losing that game though on the opposite end? No. They put I mean, up numbers I... of a team that wins a game like this though. Kirk with 344 with two touchdowns and Justin Jefferson with 150 and nine touches. I'm not too worried about it, honestly. I think um I I think they're be I think they're gonna be fine. I don't think they win tonight, by the way. Um, against Philadelphia, but like, if anybody has a chance to be zero two and come back from that, I still think that they're the team. And again, the division is tough, but like, their defense needs to step it up. Um, Kirk had a couple turnovers, and like, the offense needs to kind of get going. But like, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily look at the Vikings as a team that needs to necessarily panic after week one. Hmm. I do. Speaks on it. They didn't do well last year. They had to win a bunch of games like in the second half or in the fourth quarter. I don't think this is a serious team. And I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it's Kirk Cousins is just not their guy anymore or their defense is not any good, but you should not be losing this game at home to the Tampa Bay Bucks. I agree. You should not be losing that game. But like, I think, I think also there's something about, necessarily in the beginning of the year we underrate certain teams and i think tampa was one of the teams that we were just maybe not giving enough credit to so i don't i don't necessarily like they lost 17 16 i don't i don't think i look at it and say like no they lost 20 to 17 not that that matters too much um oh i'm looking at the i was looking at the saints game excuse me yeah Yeah, it's 20 to 17 so yeah i mean again not a significant not a, a supremely significant um loss or anything it was a close game too so I, I, at the end of the day, they are working with a new defense. Brian Flores there being the defensive coordinator, um, much better than what they had last year. I still think, and again, like they can win tonight. I don't think they do, but I'm just saying that they could beat the Eagles. Um, the offense is potent enough, but like also remember they lost a bunch of guys, losing Dalvin Cook, um, losing Adam Thielen. It's going to take some time to adjust, but I think Jordan Addison is up, up to at least fill that role. Um, I, I'm not as concerned, but like, I don't necessarily also think that they're going to be a world beater team. Again, that division, I, I think the Lions are going to win that division. And I think the Packers have a, the best chance to be the wild card team. So I, I, I'm, I'm not necessarily high on the Minnesota Vikings, but I think they'll, I think they'll be fine. Yeah. Well, We'll see what happens because of all of the teams that have the best chance to be like a real contender, I think the Vikings are probably one. It's just like they they get they get just stuck in the mud every now and again, and more so than other teams. If anything, I would. This is probably not a good comp, but they are probably like the NFC equivalent to the LA Chargers. Yeah, I don't – man, that was a good game, though, Chargers and Dolphins. I wish I could have watched it, but apparently I, I need to pay, like, $19 a month to watch a fucking CBS game now. 
how's that? Uh, I don't pay. I am not in the correct alignment of Paramount Plus. I'm not in Paramount Plus Plus exclusive like COVID nineteen airline miles, whatever the fuck it's called. You're not. You're not a one. You're not one of God's chosen people. No, I'm gonna be left on Earth while <laughs> fucking Mike Pompeo gets to go up and watch free Hulu. <laughs> Um, I would say that, like, the Chargers are just one of those teams that is just in- incredibly frustrating. I mean, again, I, I don't look at that. Fire fucking Staley, please. They should have hired Dable. Honestly, I was, I'm surprised they didn't. I was very surprised when they didn't. Um, but, like, I, yeah, I just, I don't know what you do. I mean, like, again, they were, they were not bad, but, like, I think Justin Herbert was like almost dead last in a dot, like average depth of target. Like they just weren't throwing the ball very deep, and I'm I'm just shocked. Like, what did you go get Quentin Johnson for? Would you go? What do you have Mike Williams and all those guys for? Now Eckler, I worry about Eckler because his like I number one, I have him in one of my leagues, but um, you know the ankle injuries, those things can like kind of linger. I just like I don't know what you do, man. Like I don't know what you do with this team. Yeah, and I mean the whole the whole shtick with Staley was like he's the defensive minded guy. Well, you gave up fucking thirty six points, and I know it was with against the Dolphins, but come on, guys. Like- yeah, but they were playing. You know what it was though? It was uh, they were playing. You know who like Ty- Tyree Kill faced the most press coverage out of any other person in the league. Like, why are you playing press coverage on fucking Tyree Kill? You're asking for trouble. Yeah, and they they absolutely showed out. Like 11 receptions, 215 yards, and two touchdowns. Like Tua had the game of his life that he's not going to remember because of like post-concussion syndrome. But... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, they – like oh. you lost at home at that number. Like you lost in a shootout. Like, yeah. If you're – I think if this team – I think if they start flat, right, like if they start one and four, something like that where, you know, again, it's another year of being stuck in the mud. It's another year of like, you know, analytical decisions being made. Like I could imagine that entire coaching staff like being like thrown into the ocean and them finding well, somebody else. They did hire Kellen Moore um, as their offensive coordinator – and, you know, Dallas very surprisingly fired him. Um, I could see interim head coach uh, Kellen Moore for, you know, maybe a couple games left in the se- left in the season just to kind of see what he can do um, as kind of an audition, especially if the offense – but, like, the offense looked bad. That, that's I think that was the problem. It's like they, they just weren't very efficient. And, like, I, I thought this was the year that Justin Herbert was going to kind of let it fly, you know, and it's like it just just didn't really happen. But, again, like, also, I think we also need to be careful because it is week one and, like, we don't want to, like, do the overreaction thing. So um, so there, there is still plenty of time to get it fixed. But, like, the early, the early returns did not look good for sure. Yeah, if I'm, like – I would I would tend to agree with you if um, we didn't see the exact same thing happen last year with LA. I'm also not a huge Kellen Moore fan. I really I yeah, he reminds me way too much of Jason Garrett and um, <laughs> like a guy who Jerry Jones likes puts in a position and 
effectively like kind of runs an offense that's exciting, but any like and they do it for one year and then after that it's like everything really falls apart. It is very Jason Garrettish. So I mean if, if people like him, cool, like that's I great. just think that he he has he does enough I, I think he does enough concepts. Like this is what also kind of makes me the Dallas offense was not tested against the Giants. Um, I mean, really only like five true dropbacks for Dak. It really like didn't have much to do. I'm interested to see what happens when Dallas gets into a shootout, um, see how they, they fare. Because I thought I thought Kellen Moore was a pretty good play designer. So um, I'm actually interested to see what, what ultimately happens with Mike McCarthy's more Mike McCarthy fingerprints on this offense. Yes. Yeah, that'll be gross. His greasy Cheeto fingers all over this offense. <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer doing all the play calling too. Oh, like, have you ever thought about like throwing yourself into a safe and closing the door? That's what Brian Schottenheimer's offense is. <laughs> do you know what it's like to suffocate? <laughs> I do. My name is Brian Schottenheimer, and I still that is the might be the biggest downgrade in time that I've seen it's going from yeah. more to Brian Schottenheimer. That's a absolutely massive disappointment. Yeah. I don't get it. Um do we want to move on from the NFL and get into some of the breaking baseball news that just happened? Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll as the resident Boston Red Sox fan here, um I will let you kind of take the how how do you feel about the news that came out today? So Heim Bloom, who is the chief of baseball operations for the Boston Red Sox and de facto GM, was let go today by the team. Um, he was the GM CBO for the past four years. He is notoriously known as the guy that traded Mookie Betts for the to the LA Dodgers for, I don't know, like a deli slicer and Alex Verdugo and Connor Wong. Um. I am really indifferent about him getting let go. And I think the fan base is really divided for some really strange reasons. And the reasons that the people who are pro Heimblum are giving were that he didn't really have a choice. He had to trade Mookie, which I understand. Um, and I'm at peace with, he didn't have a lot of money to work with. He had a lot of bad contracts um on the books and his job was to effectively like build the farm system and make it competitive again and for the most part he's done that he took the 30th ranked farm system and made it into the fifth um and then the detractors the people that are anti high bloom are basically saying like four years of being the gm one winning season three last place finishes well potentially three last place finishes and just a bad product on the field. Worst in defense, one of the worst teams in team ERA, one of the worst teams in opposing on base percentage, just really, really sloppy baseball overall leads the league in um, outs above replacement within like a negative, like 200 and negative 310 most errors in three years. I mean, it's really fucking messy. And for me, I'm looking at this in a couple of different ways. People giving Heimblum credit for rebuilding the farm system are a little misguided because all of the guys that came up this year, Sedan Raffaello, who hit a home run today, Tristan Casas, 
um, and Brian Bayo. Those are not Heim guys. Those are Dave Dombrowski picks who are international signings. So I don't really know why you're giving credit to Heim Bloom for that talent development. Sure. But he didn't really do anything to change the talent development side of things because they were still developing talent, i.e. Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley, guys like that prior to him. Um, and ultimately, they a lot of the pro-Heim people are saying that, well, he had a lot of bad contracts. None of those contracts he did anything with. Like two years in a row, he didn't sell at the deadline to get rid of any remaining contracts. He had J.D. Drew on the roster last year at the deadline, kept him, huge mistake. He kept Nathan Nivaldi on the roster last year, huge mistake, should have traded him away. And ultimately, this team wanted to cut the um, payroll because there was not a collective bargaining agreement in place, and they were really scared about what that would do to their numbers not really an excuse for a team that is probably one of the most well-known and most profitable teams in sports history, but whatever. Um, I just think the product on the field was shit and it was not good last year. They were coming off of an ALCS loss to Houston 2022. They could have built on that, but they went into the season with no identified closer, no like real good bullpen arms, they didn't have somebody figured out who's going to play right field. And those were perpetual problems that happened year over year over year. Their big signing, Trevor Story, got hurt last year. Yeah. Six years, $160 million gets hurt. I don't know how I, big of a signing Trevor Story is either. I mean, he's a 2020 guy, and he was pretty nice in Colorado for a long time. I think he'll be better, but you know, being hurt for a full year really sucks. Um and then this year, um, went into spring training or broke camp with three starters, nobody else identified, um, glaring hole at shortstop because they had Kike Hernandez play because they didn't sign Xander Bogarts, um, and then no one to play second base. So it was just kind of a hodgepodge of fucking guys for the longest time. I just think the roster creation was just – roster construction was really shitty, did not – adapt well to certain situations and then ultimately just bad decision making. Like you got outbid by the Padres for fucking Xander Bogarts. Um, we're never really in any of the trade rumors at any of the deadlines, whether you're selling or buying. And I know that you want to get value for your guys, but there is a level of being way too fucking picky and just staying where you are and losing that way. And I mean, I'm sure they've already got somebody or a handful of people lined up to figure out who's going to take that role. I am indifferent. Like if he stayed on for another year, yeah, sure. Was he going to be able to sign any of the big name free agents? I don't know. But at the end of the day, like the product in the field has been bad and there's no way around it. Ignored fucking starting pitching ignored team defense and those ultimately are the reasons why that team is a game over 500 this year yeah from from a yankees perspective the one thing i definitely noticed is the defense was really taking a step back um over the last few years I, i'm i'm interested though because like it, the vibes i'm getting 
are that some people have been making the assertion that he is essentially just doing the bidding of John Henry. So, like, why would you fire a guy who's essentially just kind of following orders? Which is kind of how I feel sometimes about Aaron Boone, in that, like, he doesn't really make the decisions here. So, like, how can I expect him to, like, I don't want him to stay, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't think firing him solves anything either. So, I mean, I think that the the overarching philosophy was for the team was to find a way to put talent into the farm system pipeline, but also don't get us locked into bad contracts. And this team has a fantastic reputation of getting locked into shit contracts, i.e. Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez being another one. Pablo Sandoval. What a piece of shit he was. Um, but I've heard that name in a while. He's still getting paid by the Red Sox too. Um, but cure the bag, my friend. Yeah, for sure. But I think they, I think they said, don't get us locked into big, ugly, like unmovable contracts. And he took that to like fucking Carlos Stanton. <clears throat> yeah, um, Carlos Rodon looks like one of those two pretty soon. Oh God. But disaster. I, I I think the issue that Haim had was that he's just like he's was not decisive. They just didn't make choices when they needed to. Like they could have locked up Xander Bogarts in twenty twenty one. They could have it, given him an extension. It wouldn't have been an issue. They could have started signing all these other guys as well. But every off season, it was like they were kind of in on guys, but they weren't. They were just not willing to spend the money. And I think the problem was is that they were just not able to put together a clearly developed team on the field. Hmm. You can say, like, well, players make the errors and, um, you know, players are the ones that hit or don't hit the balls. Like, right, but you're also the guy who chose all of these people. And you're putting you, them all on the same team together. Exactly. When you start – the 2022 season with Jackie Bradley, who's one of the best defensive outfielders yeah. as your right fielder, but he was traded to Boston from Milwaukee because Milwaukee said, this guy can't fucking hit anymore. Hmm. And you're like, yeah, he'll be our backup outfielder. And then surprise, he's our full-time right fielder. Hmm. And he hits 180. Like, And then there's Franchi Cordero too, former Yankees um, great as well. And... They just – a lot of their problems just continue to perpetuate. Pitching and just not having a clear understanding of how to build a, like, at least impactful roster. Having Kike Hernandez play short for the first half of the year was the worst decision they could have made. Um, it's just bad. Just bad baseball. And I know that there's going to be the lovers and the haters out there. I'm indifferent. Like, I want the team to win. And at the end of the day, if this team goes to the ALCS next year, goes to the playoffs, like no one's going to fucking care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to float something to you and I want to gauge how you feel about it. Uh, because like a lot of people, I've been noticing a lot of Red Sox fans kind of chanting for it, but I don't know if it's even a potential likelihood. What do you think about Theo? So, I envisioned that Theo was going to be the replacement because there was pictures of him at Fenway and mm -hmm. um, 
in Boston last weekend. Right. Sam Kennedy, who's the team president, said that he will be considered, but he's not like the number one target. I would envision that if he was, I would envision that if Theo was going to be involved, he was going to be in some kind of senior leadership where he gets like ownership stake. Um, I mean, like, I would give him whatever he wants. At this point. Yeah, I would envision that they would give him like the chief of baseball operations position and then hire a GM. So he's just overseeing everything. There's also like really good guys out there too, like um, the the assistant GM in LA. Um, there's a couple of guys in Cleveland too that are really good. I mean, you can dip into that Atlanta system as well. There's options out there, but people are freaking out. Like I was on this YouTube channel earlier where this one guy was saying like, they need to figure out this quickly because you don't want to go into the playoffs and not having a plan. It's like, I'm pretty sure they'll have this figured out. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't worry about that. And if anything, it's smart that they did it now. They fired him now instead of waiting and then doing it. So right, and this this is a team that's done this before. So yeah. this is honestly the time you want to also because two thirds of the league is about to go inactive. They're they're busy worrying about playoffs or whatever. So yeah, yeah. No, this is the time to do it. So whoever that next person is going to be, this is going to have to be a big off season to make a splash. They're going to have to mm-hmm. sign. Starting pitchers, they're probably going to have to trade for one as well. They're going to have to sign some impact bats as well. Like they're, they're The bones of this team are good, but the hesitation areas are really, really bad, and yeah. they need to find a way to, to really right the ship because I think the scariest thing that the ownership group, John Henry especially, were concerned about was like in their winter hype-up thing everybody in leadership got booed and they just saw empty seats in the stadium and they had the lowest attendance in the last like 15 years, a couple days ago, that freaked them out. Mm. It should. should You got to put a product on the field, man. Like this is very much in the same way that the Yankees are. This isn't like a team like the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Kansas city Royals where you can do like a five or six year rebuild and no one's going to care. Like, People are paying attention in towns like this. Yeah, no, it, it, yeah, you can't, you can't be get away with being average. You know, like that's the worst place you can be. Be bad. I would have fought know? for average. <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather be bad. I mean, honestly, like the Yankees and the Red Sox were average as far as their record is concerned. But like, that's like you know, it's a death spiral for you guys, for us. So I don't True. know. I, I would, uh, I would. Honestly, offer Theo Epstein whatever he wants and get him back in the fold. As a Yankees fan, though, from afar, what is this all like for you? Um, I think because of the fact that we've been so bad this year, I really haven't even like focused on the other, you know, like the Red Sox being only slightly better than us, not even really like you know, it doesn't really register for me. It's just like to see like the Baltimore Orioles and like, like being the top tier division, you know, in the division. And then, you know, it just, it just, it's overwhelming because like, I, I, I saw this coming a mile away. They mm-hmm. give Brian Cashman an extension last year, which was not deserved. You run it back, you bring judge back, which is awesome. Great. But like, 
you don't really add like you other than Carlos Rodon, which again I stand by it was a good signing. Um, you had to do it. You had to do it, but like he fucking flames out real fast, and uh, it just the fact that he thought you could run it back with like Josh Donaldson at third base. And like, just really like, and then again, they get lucky with Jason Dominguez coming up, and he provided the spark for this team, and he fucking tears his ACL, and now he's out for nine months. Yeah, dude. So it's like, it's just unfucking real to me, like how this team is just—I don't know if they're cursed, but like, I, I don't—I—I want to see a report, like I, you know, Chan, Chan Bloom gets fired. I want to see a report that says fucking Brian Cashman fired, and like, I don't know what the Yankees are doing, so I—I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're the one I I would have imagined, like, that they would have pulled the trigger a long time ago to to make a change. And Brian Sabian is just there. I don't know I what know. he's doing. And that's another thing is that, like, it's an easy exit plan to just promote Sabian and get rid of Cashman. But there's some kind of, like, hold that Cashman has on, on the Steinbrenners. I don't know what it is. It's, it's, I, I think know it's, it's maybe just... nostalgia, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like Cashman probably has one more year if things don't turn around. But a lot of this stuff is not really his fault. Granted, a lot of it also is too. But the amount of injuries they had is fucking insane. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens this offseason between Boston, New York. I don't think Baltimore is going to sign anybody. I don't think Toronto is going to hang on to Matt Chapman and the Rays will always be good, but they have a predator on their team. So it is what it is for them. <laughs> Fucking predator on their team. All right. We're at two hours right now. You want to move to assholes and picks of the week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. What you got? Um, so for me, uh, my asshole is going to be young Jaka, ah. AKA Kadarius Tony. Um, this man like it, it's been a rolling back and forth between obviously the Giants fans and him, a lot of vitriol um, after he was traded away from the Giants. And like, honestly, if he just said like, Hey, it didn't work out. No big deal. Whatever. I wouldn't have given a shit, but like he always made, he always made it a big deal. And like for him to watch uh, a week ago today to go out there against the Detroit lions and just absolutely fucking shit the bed. It was great for me to see. And then he ends up deleting his Twitter afterwards because he was so, like, embarrassed by the game that he had. It was just incredible stuff. Um, and then he tried to, like, shit on Giants fans again after, after the Giants game on Sunday. But, like, this is exactly I, – I just love that he finally confirmed what I said about him before is that, like, this is who Kadarius Tony is. He's a gadget player who's going to give you one good game, Super Bowl, you know, give you the punt return, the easy walking touchdown. And then he's going to fucking do this. He's going to have the interception. Uh, he, he causes the interception with the drop. He has like four other drops. He just looks like absolute dog shit. So this is who he is. And I, I hope Chiefs fans are happy with uh, with who they walked away with here. Man, I just, like, talk about, like, somebody who, I know that we gave a little bit of shit to Jamar Chase for what he was saying during the during the Bengals game, but 
my man, like talk about a guy who talks so much shit and had one game where he was able to do something yeah. and has been completely irrelevant since then. He had one, he had two good, one really good Giants game against Dallas, but then he ended up getting kicked out of the game for punching barehanded. He punched a Dallas player. In, in sure. Um, smart guy. Uh, and then, uh, and then he had a good game against the Saints, and that was about it in his two-year career with the Giants. And then, yeah, he had the Super Bowl. Mind you, it was a wide-open scheme touchdown. Like, he literally was just standing there by himself and walked into the end zone. And then right. he had the really good punt return, which I give him credit for. Well, I hope everything wonderful happens to that man. Young Joker. Um. I would. How many times since Kadarius Tony been the asshole of the week here? <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't think he's. I, I don't know if he ever has been, honestly. Um, but like after last week, I just can't. I couldn't resist. Like it was just too easy. No. Like, yeah. To to go like finally, this is your first game of a new season with the Chiefs. Like it's not like a crossover where you're like a tr- you're traded. And then you just absolutely shit the bed like that. It was just oh, on a shit. team that needs receivers too, Q. Like a team that you could very easily be like the could be the, the number, number one receiver, right? Could walk in and be the number one receiver. Also, for a team in a game against the Detroit Lions, a defense that's not great, he could like, have carved if, them up. Could have easily carved them up. Yep. And now, I mean, like I, I'm, I'm sure he'll be involved still. Like, and again, like it wouldn't surprise me next week, you know, this week coming up here. Like I, it honestly would not surprise me if going against Jacksonville, he puts up a pretty decent game. And then it, again, Hamster. he might have another good game after that. And then week four, he's going to fucking, he's going to rupture something in his leg and then he's going to come back and then he's going to have like a shit game. Like it's just, this is the Kadarius Tony experience. I'm so glad I'm off the roller coaster. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm glad for you. Um, that you're no longer on the Kadarius Tony narcotic. <laughs> Kadarius <laughs> Tony narcotic. I love it. <laughs> um, so my SO of the week is going to be somebody who um, is a potential nobody for everybody else. Jay Norvell, um, who is the head coach of the Colorado State um, football team. Colorado State and CU Boulder are playing each other on Saturday. Um, as you all know, Deion Sanders is the head coach for CU. Um, Jay Norvell was feeling himself today um, or the other day, and he wanted to talk about Dion. And he was on a he was talking shit about how Dion wore sunglasses and a hat um, during news conferences. And Jay Norvell said, I don't care if they hear this in Boulder. I told them, referring to ESPN. I took off my hat. I took off my glasses. And I said, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. And I'm, I'm praying for this man. I'm not a religious person, Q, but I am praying for Jay Norvell because I could very easily see buffs by 50 in this game. You have two of the best players in the country right now playing for CU against a team that went three and 10 or three and nine last year. Um, Jay Norvell's record at Colorado state is three and 10. Um, You want to talk about bulletin board material, like talking shit about a hall of fame coach 
um, or Hall of Fame player who is now a coach who has effectively like revolutionized this entire team at CU Boulder that has not been good since like 2004. No, no. This is your idea of like motivating or like setting yourself apart. Like if I was the coach of Colorado State, I would say like, I'm just very grateful to be able to play them. We're going to be on television. Like this is good exposure for the school. Cause you're going to get your fucking ass beat now. Like, Shador Sanders and Travis Hunter are going to like have the games of their lives now. Cause you made fun of that guy's dad and you made fun of like Travis Hunter's like de facto father because Deion Sanders has like taken him under his wing and taught him everything he knows about being a cornerback and wide receiver apparently. Mm. So congrats, Jay, your 15 minutes of fame are now here. I can't wait to turn that game on at like the third quarter and you're losing by 45 points. Yeah, it's just it's just funny to me when I see people like like Deion Sanders, who's just been nothing but a revelation, you know, like for Colorado. I understand he's brash and I get it. Like it can turn some people off, but like, come on, man. Like at this point, we have to be able to see that like he there it's hard to consider that he's not a legitimate. They beat the team that played in the national championship game and a ranked team in the first two games of the season. I, I think Dion was my asshole of the week last week because he was talking shit to reporters about yeah. how they doubted him. Yeah. But I'm going to defend him now. <laughs> what a difference a week makes. Yeah. I like them apples. Yeah. I, I agree with you there for sure. Um Let's see. All right. So for pick of the week, this is something that's not out yet. Um, but I'm really fucking hyped for it. Comes out next month. Uh, Mike Flanagan is doing uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah. Like, again, for anybody who doesn't know about Mike, Mike Flanagan, like Dr. Sleep, uh, which I just revisited recently, Hush, um, Oculus. He he did, and then obviously he also has done uh, Midnight Mass, Midnight Club, Haunting of Hill House. Like this is just another one. It's going to be pretty much been rel- relatively the same cast as the House on Haunted Hill. I'm just super fucking pumped for this. I am huge Mike Flanagan fan, so I I can't wait to see what this looks like. I think it comes out October 12th. Yeah, they normally come out around that time. Um, I'm super excited for it as well because. Um, you've kind of exposed me to the Mike Flanagan like universe and outside of like Midnight Club all of it has been really really good my favorite one is um, Haunting at Blythe Manor which was Mm. fantastic yeah I I don't I actually don't remember too much about Blythe Manor so I might have to revisit that before this one comes out yeah I mean, it was a it was a banger. Um, so, I mean, and then taking on some of the source material with Edgar Allan Poe, you know, it's gonna I, be good. I growing up, I was always a big fan of Edgar Allan Poe. So for this, like, I'm I'm super fucking pumped for it. So still a month away, but I'm just kind of putting it on the radar right now. No, that's that's a good thing to do. Um, so my pick of the week, I'll get us out of here quick, is a new game called Starfield from Bethesda. I heard about that. Yeah, the folks that brought you um, the Fallout series and um, 
Skyrim, as well as Quake, too, believe it or not. Um, Starfield is amazing. And it's a RPG that takes place in space. And the universe is fucking huge. There's so many things to do. The story is really, really interesting. It's a game that actually has, like, they've built, like, the gravitational pull of the, the planets for each solar system. They have orbits. They, they have their own, like, gravitational, like, build for each of the locations as well. They've spent a lot of time and a lot of detail on it. And it's one of the first Bethesda games that I've played that is not, like, immediately buggy as soon as I get it. Um, if you, the only challenge is, is that it it needs to run on like an Xbox X or S, um, or a PC. If you have anything less than that, it's not going to run well. Um, but if you have, if you have Xbox game pass, it's there on, it's there free. I know a lot of PlayStation people are pissed off about it. And it's funny (laughs) because, there are a lot of people when this came out that were going in and like hate grading it on IGN and like artificially bringing the score of the game down. But mm. overall there's been a lot of positive feedback on the game and the folks that are playing it too. It's only a single player. It's only a multiplayer game, which is good because sometimes we just need a story. Yeah. Um, you can build ships in this game and the ships that people are building are fucking bananas. Somebody built the magic school bus <laughs> they built a fucking Star Destroyer from Star Wars. Um, there's a whole bunch of just wild and wacky ones out there. Like people have awesome. got into this game and they've they've just gone to town. You gotta love the creativity of people when you give them an ability to just like take on a fucking engine like that. Oh, absolutely. And the and the great thing is too is that Bethesda, who's the game developers, they're bought into it. Like they're like fully endorsing people to go nuts on it. Like yeah. Go crazy. Just, I popped it in yesterday. Um, I, I've been playing it for the last week and a half or so, and there was already like a two gig update with a patch in there. Game runs even better now. Mm. And something about like games like Starfield, Fallout, and Skyrim is they also have like a big modding community. So people that will go in and augment the game. Yeah. A week in, there were already a thousand mods put together for this game. And Bethesda's Jeez. like, Go on, have your fun. Like this is your game. Do what you got to do. God, that's crazy. This shit's fucking awesome. Q. You should buy a computer or an Xbox and just go nuts. I have a gaming computer, so I, I could technically do it. I don't know how. I don't know how well it would run on here, but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm more, more of a, Madden's more my speed. <laughs> Even though I fucking hate it. Not anymore, baby. Yeah, no. God. Well. That's all I got. You got anything else? I'm that's it for me, man. All righty. Well, we're signing off here, folks. Thanks again for joining another episode of the Second Mouth Podcast. Again, you can find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. Uh, we do this every week. Um, we try to cover as much as we can, but as of right now, the football um, has a vice grip over us right now as the new season is underway. Game started right about now-ish, right? Yeah, Philly's up three nothing right now. Not uh, good for them. Um, but we'll be back next week, folks. You can find us on um, Twitch. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. You can also find our YouTube channel as well. And we'll talk to you soon. Good luck with your fantasy teams, folks.
Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>